now. I don't know who he is behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him. And we need him now. For some reason, the cool bars in Hollywood have to be hard to find and have to have no sign. This is the Cocktail Nation. Well, on the show this week, we look at the life of Ennio Morricone, an interesting story on the comeback of the humble CD, plus a weird criticism of Mad Men that I found online. It is the Cocktonation on syndicated radio stations and on iHeartRadio. Let's kick off with new music from the Tiki Delights, upcoming album Party Time with the Tiki Delights and Twist of Lyman. Thank you. 
This is the Cocktail Nation. Nation vibes on velvet and tainted bells. Now, my anatomy of a lounge Lothario is back in your podcast inbox, and my new series is fictional lounge Lotharios. Perhaps you've got a suggestion for me. Love to hear from you, thecocktailnation at gmail.com. And this week we featured Catch a Block. A Cocktail Nation Lounge Special. Ennio Morricone was born in Rome. November 10, 1928, he was one of five children of Mario and Libera Morricone. His father was a trumpet player, and he actually taught him to read music and uh, to play various instruments. And Ennio wrote his first composition at the age of six. In 1940, he entered the National Academy of Santa Cecilia, where he studied trumpet, composition, and direction. His World War II experiences were hunger and the dangers of Rome, as an open city under German and American armies, were reflected in some of his later work. After the war, he wrote music for radio, for Italy's broadcasting service, RAI, and for singers under contract to RCA. Of course, one of the most famous film scores ever written, which became the sound of not just a movie, but a whole genre, the spaghetti western. It's the work of Ennio Morricone, of course, who is collaborating with his old-school friend, director Sergio Leone, a partnership which started in 1964 with a fistful of dollars. Get three coffins ready. Ennio Morricone's career spanned over half a century. He composed the music for more than 500 films and worked for 60-plus directors from Terence Manic to Quentin Tarantino, but never for Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, when he called me to write music for his films, I said no out of respect to Sergio Leone, not because I did not like the movies that he did. There you are, I said no to Clint, I'm really sorry about that. Maestro Morricone, as he is known to all in his hometown of Rome, where he's always been based, won an honorary Oscar in 2007, and he was asked if he had moved to Hollywood, would he have been awarded an Oscar sooner? No, I do not think so. When I did not take the Oscar for the film The Mission, all the audience in the hall protested. There was a sort of riot. That's okay. 
No problem. I've had a lot of awards. In a career showered with honors, he previously won an Oscar for a lifetime achievement in 2007 and was nominated for five other Academy Awards. In addition, he won two Golden Globes, four Grammys and dozens of international awards. The music I wrote for A Fistful of Dollars is not the best that I gave to Leone. We reached our best, in my opinion, with Once Upon a Time in America. He was known for sometimes being holed up in his palazzo in Rome and wrote music for weeks on end, composing not at a piano but at a desk. He heard the music in his mind, he said, and he wrote it in pencil on score paper for all the orchestral parts. He sometimes scored 20 or more films a year. Directors often marvelled at his range. Psychedelic screeches, swelling love themes, tense passages of high drama, stately evocations of the 18th century or eerie dissonances of the 20th. But interestingly, he was always wary of too much music, of overloading the audience with emotions. Maestro Morricone never learned to speak English, never left Rome to compose, and for years refused to fly anywhere, though he eventually flew all over the world to conduct orchestras, sometimes performing his own compositions while he wrote extensively for Hollywood. The late great Ennio Morricone. And here he is with Deep Down.
Cocktonation, Evan Drybird there, and Tiger Tail. Some new music to the Cocktonation also played Jean Feinberg and Synthesizing. And new stuff as well from Don Tiki, Hot Like Lava. Lounge Life magazine is out right now. It's your free downloadable magazine via the Cocktonation website, cocktonation.net. It is a flipboard mag, reads like a magazine on your iPad. Now, Mad Men, interesting story I came across uh, this TV show. I've actually been re-watching it once again, almost finished. And of course, it was one of TV's crowning achievements. But uh, this interesting story from a fellow by the name of Louis Chilton uh, says that its uh, dispiriting take on queerness has always left a sour taste. Now, I won't go into the, the full uh, run of the story, you can read it yourself. But uh, he talks about how it's the superlative period drama uh, and it takes its place amongst the uh, the all-time best TV shows, but he thinks that the handling of queer characters has left much to be desired. Now, I'll just read you this last uh, paragraph that he says. He says, The problem is not that Mad Men explores the ubiquitous homophobia of the era, I'm sure life as a queer person in the 1960s was difficult in a way that people of my generation cannot truly comprehend. But regardless, it was not just rejection and disappointment. To present it as such is to do a disservice to those queer people who did manage to find happiness, who managed to live joyfully and openly in defiance of social norms. And he talks about the various uh, gay characters in the show. We've got, of course, uh, Sal, the uh, the um, art director. Uh, another one was uh, Bob Benson, who I just find absolutely hilarious. He's always willing to please, always turning up with a cup of coffee. Uh, he talks about there was a character, I can't remember what her name was, but uh, she became a friend of Peggy. And he was saying how she was really just a vehicle to introduce Peggy to her uh, future boyfriend, Abe. And uh, and it, it's interesting. I, I, I think one of the things that people get wrong today is that they think that all shows need to be a celebration of a particular type of lifestyle, regardless of how it actually panned out during that time. This is a period piece, and and I'm sorry to say, Louis Chilton, um, I don't think a whole lot of people who were gay lived joyfully and openly in defiance of social norms, as he says in the end of his paragraph. It just simply wasn't that. In fact, it was probably full of a lot of heartache and, and sadness and and that's what they reflect in the show. So to try and change it around and celebrate them as all, you know, we're out there, we're, we're queer and we're here, get used to it. No, no, it wasn't really like that in the 1950s and 1960s. Sorry to disappoint you. I think unfortunately, and I don't know how old Louis is, but I, I think unfortunately some younger people today seem to think that history was a little bit different than it actually was. That's why it's called history, people. Yeah, sorry, but... Not everything was terrific. Not everything worked out for people. It just didn't. Also got the story of Monty Norman, a British composer who wrote the iconic theme music for the James Bond films. He's died at the age of 94. He was hired by Albert Broccoli to compose the theme for the first James Bond film released in 1962. Of course, that was Dr. No. And uh, sad to see if he's passing. In fact, I, I didn't actually know that he was still alive, so I was kind of surprised when I saw that news. Check out those stories and a whole lot more via Lounge Life magazine. On the cocktail nation, a bank is a place that will lend you money if you can prove that you don't need it. Very deep. Cocktail nation. Last night, a little dancer came dancing to my door. Last night, a little angel came pumping on the floor. She said, come on, baby, I've got a license for love. And if it expires, pray help from above, because in the midnight hour she cried more 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 with a rebel yell she cried more 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 in that midnight hour babe more 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 with a rebel Tail Nation. 
Twitter handle, Cocktail Nation. Follow the lounge leader today. Benny Bennett and Couscous also played Thomas Grillo with Mint Julep Fantasy. Now, there's an interesting story that uh, I came across this week about how vinyl, of course, has um, made plenty of headlines in recent years of its return to popularity. But it turns out CDs are starting to make some some, uh, gains forward. Now, the research for this particular story was done as part of the second best-selling format on Discogs, which is CDs. And they've continued to be a popular choice for collectors in the marketplace. And billboard figures are showing that CDs recently saw their highest sales in 17 years. Brands like Marantas offer a high-quality line of CD players uh, as more audiophiles and music fans discover and rediscover or maintain their passion for CDs. And some interesting points that CD releases are consistently added to the Discogs database. And CDs listed for sale have increased every year for the last five years. They've increased from 1.9 million to 3.9 million, which is pretty incredible. And these 2 million additional CDs account for a 208% increase in just five years, which is just astounding. And one of the main reasons for this substantial jump is affordability. With the rising vinyl costs, used CDs have become a cheaper alternative. 
and music fans are combining CD listings for budget-friendly copies of the albums that they love most. Much like the tape resurgence, there's quite a few Gen Zs uh, who are music collectors who uh, are interested in the format. Gen X and millennial parents are passing on their CD collections or regaling their Gen Z children with nostalgic tales of the convenience of compact discs. The size and simplicity of the CDs speaks to those on the go or anyone who prefers to pop in a disc in another format without having to worry about flipping a record or, or dropping a needle. And many audiophiles continue to build their CD collections due to their rich sound and quality. A lot of vinyl reissues have been pulled from digital sources instead of the original analogue masters. Pretty fascinating stuff. I've always been a big fan of CDs. I love my vinyl, but I must say, as much as I love my vinyl, CDs are far more uh, easier to use. And the quality, too. I mean, really, when you think about the compressed nature of things that you purchase on Spotify or uh, iTunes or whatnot, they are compressed very, very heavily. Whereas you do get that wonderful quality out of CD. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're back in vogue once again. And I guess we'll see that continuing. Here's the new cool collective, Cherry Bond of the Coctimation. Cocktail Nation. Touch 
his web of sin But don't go in Golden words he will pour in your ear But his lies can't disguise what you Take the elevator up to Cooper's Penthouse, www.cocktailnation.net.
Cocktail Nation. Cocktail Nation. Hey, y'all, you're listening to the Cocktail Nation. Coop Cooper. <laughs> Nation Narco Lounge Combo and Alphaville next week. Words with Wellesie. Going to leave you with the Swangos now and grab the loot. Stay up.